Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Here we do a couple of door prizes. We do. So um, first is a signature guide. Signature guide? Yes. Okay. Where's my list? Computer, give me a random number between 1 and 140. Here's a number between 1 and 140. It's 90. 90? 90. What is 90? Ooh. 85 and 89. 90. Gary Legates. Congratulations, <laughs> Gary. Gary Legates. I think he wins something every year. Some people are lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. Ready for the next one? I'm going to DP06. And what is the next one? It's a keychain that is a replica of Air Force One. Computer, give me a random number between one and 140. Here's a number between 1 and 140. It's 27. 27. 27. 27. 27. Francie Gilman from Silver Spring, Maryland. Congratulations, Francie. All right, Francie. Okay. Whoops. And I would also like to thank Lucy for hosting and welcome Chanel. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank Chanel. you, Lucy. Thanks. I'll see you in a few minutes for my presentation. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, well, now let me see. Well, we're a little bit early, but still we can we can start. I'm sure we're gonna we're going to uh, be a little bit flexible here. We can go ahead and start the braille panel, I guess. Sandra, I think that's the one you're you're introducing. Um, braille touching the world, which braille does. <laughs> So, um, Braille on Top of the World is uh, near and dear to my heart. But you know what? Um, I, rather than butchering people's bios, I'm going to allow my panelists to um, tell you all about themselves. And we can start with Frank. Hello, everyone. I'm Frank Welty. And I'm calling you from San Leandro, California. I am a senior accessible media and braille specialist in the Media and Accessible Design Laboratory at the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco. Uh, my primary duties are braille transcription, proofreading, and proofreading of tactile graphics with a little bit of accessibility consulting thrown in. Uh, the Media and Accessible Laboratory is known for tactile graphics, and we'll be talking a lot more about that later. Hi guys, I'm Dorlin Catron. I'm here in Laurel, Maryland, actually, and um, I facilitate the weekend Braille Together calls as well as the Braille Room calls. And we're actually starting a new call um, on Braille calendars. And uh, I've been blind for about nine years now. And I started learning Braille about six years and just jumped in. And I'm really passionate about helping adults learn Braille. Yeah. And um, I'm uh, about three quarters away through the Braille transcribers course and I've done 
UEB online and uh, some other stuff to get to where I'm at and just really happy to be here today to talk about one of the things I love most, Braille. And Braille is something that is definitely near and dear to my heart. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Frank, we'll go ahead and start with you. All right. Well, I know that most of what we will be doing here during this hour is talking about Braille. And so I'll start with that, talking about what we at the Lighthouse do in terms of Braille. Our Media and Accessible Design Laboratory produces alternative media that's accessible. And so we do a lot of Braille production uh, and uh, transcription. I am a certified NLS uh, UAB transcriber, and I'm working on my proofreader certification. So we do Braille things, everything from business cards right up to books. In fact, right now I'm working on editing a very large book that's going to come in at about uh, 1,700 pages when it's all done in Braille. <laughs> so, so everything and everything in between. Uh, but we're also very well known for producing tactile graphics, especially maps. Uh, we do, we, we've been doing that now for about a little over 10 years, I guess, doing maps. We've done maps of transit systems like uh, the Bay Area Rapid Transit System in the San Francisco area. And uh, we've, we've done uh, transit system maps in, uh, in Stockton, California, in Calgary, Canada. Uh, we've, I think we've done something in Toronto. And also we did a, a transit uh, map of sorts for Baltimore a uh, couple of years back. And uh, so we've done a lot of maps. We've also done maps of college campuses. Uh, we've done maps of uh, museums, especially here in San Francisco. We've done maps of national and state parks. And we've done other cute tra tactile graphics, like we did a tactile graphic of a frame of, of a, I guess you'd say a frame from a Peanuts comic strip that it was, was placed in the Charles Schultz Museum here in California. And we've also done maps of uh, theme parks, especially Disney parks. So if you go to one of the Disney parks, make sure to ask for a tactile map because we provided them. And that is a nutshell is what we've been doing with tactile graphics at the Lighthouse in San Francisco. And we can talk more about that in detail later. Before we go to our next panelist, out of curiosity, what, where did this arise from? Where did we get into tactile maps? That's a good question. Um, it started, I'd say about in 2007, is that a, a friend of ours uh, named Josh Mealy, who is uh, recently a MacArthur uh, fellow, he was working as a researcher at the Smith Kettlewell Eye Research Institute in California, which does blindness related research. He is a blind scientist. And he developed a tactile street mapping system that he called TMAP, which stands for Tactile Map Automated Process. And the beauty of it was that where normally, if somebody wants to make a map, it can take hours of work, be very expensive. But he developed a web-based system that was basically able to get map data and generate a Braille graphic file that showed the streets over in, in a neighborhood around a given address anywhere in the United States. It would also uh, show uh, later on, later later versions of it would show uh, things like uh, pedestrian paths and railroad tracks, things like that. So we started working with them in uh, 
2007, and we began uh, distributing the maps that were generated by this system. And then uh, in about 2010 or 2011, we got a grant from the Federal Transit Administration to produce a set of tactile maps of the train stations in the Bay Area Rapid Transit System. And that was about uh, 44 or so at the time, 43 or 44 at the time that we did. And we also got another grant where that allowed us to do uh, tactile maps of some of these subway stations in the city of San Francisco. And we got started getting other contracts to do tactile graphics and it sort of grew from there. And, and we've continued ever since then. Excellent, thank you. So um, Dalin, let's go ahead and you can um, tell us a little bit about your wonderful calls and how they got started and what you plan on doing, um, bringing them forward into the future. Love to. Well, um, so I, uh, like I said, I facilitate several uh, braille calls on the community calls schedule. I began helping out facilitating these calls about December of 2021. They did start before me, though, um, but I now I run them. And uh, uh, let's see, like I said, since December of about 2021. So the first one I'll talk about is Weekend Braille Together. That actually started out, I believe, as the Braille Mingle call. But so it's the Weekend Braille Together call and it's 6 p.m. Eastern time every Saturday. And we talk about all things Braille on that one. There's a different topic every weekend um, and anything Braille is up for uh, um, up for fair game. So we've done slates and styluses in the recent past. We've done a thing on the Perkins Brailler. We've talked about UEB and math, or not math, but numbers rather, um, since things changed a little bit there. Um, we actually just did Braille labeling this last weekend. That was a great call. Uh, other nights we'll do kind of like resource swaps or calls where it's a little bit more just open and everybody's sharing. Then at least once a month, we do games. Uh, I love doing games, so sometimes we do them more than once a month. Um, and these range, um, we do themed games a lot of times. So, you know, for October, we did spooky games. During the holidays, we did holiday themed games. We just did a heart and heartbreak themed games for February. Uh, and then on March 11th, we're actually going to be doing luck go the braille games <laughs> um and so we're start that night out by doing a small drawing of a shamrock that you can do with braille characters we like to incorporate those sometimes and for our heart and heartbreak night we actually did the small braille heart we do leave those larger braille drawings to the wonderful acb crafters and to professor shaw's i love braille call for their braille fun days we stick to the small drawings that can be done with Slate and stylus, really to also encourage learners of the Slate and stylus to get them out and have some fun with them. Let's see, our other uh, game type things will do uh, fill in the braille, where I will replace 
the word of a popular song title or movie title with the word Braille and have our participants tell me which word I've filled in with Braille. And then I make them Braille it out to me with uh, dot combinations. So we make the virtual space work for our Braille games. That um, we sounds fascinating. Wow. Oh, it's it's lots of fun. I actually do have an example um, of those games. If you'd like them, we could yes, save them for later. I can actually, do it right now. Do it. Yes, ma'am. All right. So like I said, we'll do um, a game called Fill in the Braille. And I'll fill in the name of either a song title or the artist or something like that. So here's a Maryland themed one for everyone. Um, if you go to a Baltimore Orioles game, you'll hear the song Sweet Caroline by Braille Diamond. Oh, oh, oh. Sweet Caroline by Braille Diamond. And then I would have someone raise their hand to tell me what word I'm replacing with Braille. Neil. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd need to Braille it back to me in dot numbers. Would you like to do that? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. I'll do it then. N, that's one, three, four, five. E, that's one, five. I, that's two, four. L, that's one, two, three. And if it were a word that had a contraction in it, if it were someone who was just working on learning the Braille alphabet and was still working with grade one or uncontracted Braille, as we call it, uh, they could spell it back to me in uncontracted Braille. That's always the correct answer. But if you're working on contractions, then I encourage people to spell it back to me with that. Obviously, Neil doesn't have one, so it was perfect either way. I would have gotten that one right, I think. Oh, yeah. hey. There you go. <laughs> I didn't know they did a Sweet Caroline. It's, it's because of that O, the Baltimore yeah. Orioles. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Menway Park, did they? Okay. Good. Yeah. So, um, and one more, you know, we'll also do some games where we like, um, I'll just, spell something out for someone, you know, to kind of warm people up to the, that spelling back in dot number. So I'll give you one more little example and you can tell me what I've spelled out here. Okay. I'm not going to capitalize anything. So here we go. Dots one, three, five. Dots one, two, three. Dots one, four, five. Space. Dots one, two, dot one. I know what it is. Dots one, three, four, five, six. It's good. A, a seasoning we love here in Maryland for our crabs. Okay. Yes. Okay. Indeed. So yeah. you see, we'll, yeah. we'll just kind of play around with it um, and, and get people interacting with the Braille code. Um, other there are nights we have played something I call base braille ball, <laughs> where it's based off of baseball and we'll, um, have people divide into two teams, have different people come up to bat. Everyone gets an at bat per inning and they pick their pitch, a slow pitch. will get you something in uncontracted braille or something you'll have to spell back to me in uncontracted braille. Fast pitch will get you something in contracted braille. And a curveball will be something that's maybe an exception to the rule or something that's a little bit more difficult. Um, and so we've played that. We've never gotten to all six innings since there's six dots in a Braille cell. 
Um, we've only ever gotten to three, but we have a great time. And um, our opening day of base braille ball will be the last Saturday in March, uh, March 25th. That's one month from today. I invite everyone to come and, and have some fun with us. So you've got people in spring training right now, pitchers and catchers. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, we've already had to have our braille pitchers and braille catchers report. <laughs> Nicely done. I like that. Great. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a little bit about Week in Braille together. And I don't know, should I go on to our other calls or did you want to go for it? All right. Very cool. So that's our Saturday call. Now, Sundays and Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, we have our Braille rooms. And for these, we utilize the Zoom breakout room feature and we break out into uh, these rooms and work on different things depending on what people need help working on. So we are not Braille teachers. We're just a group of Braille enthusiasts and learners that get together to work together and um, learn in a peer-supported environment. Uh, I kind of sort people out at the beginning of the hour we have a couple of rooms that are working on the McDuffie reader and they come in week in and week out. And so I get them out first. Then we go through and we see who we've got because every night's a little different. See what learners we've got coming in and what they need help with. Um, we see who comes in wanting to help mentor and what their talents are and, and how they can help out. And then we just kind of we mix and match and make it work every night. Somehow it always comes together. Um, let's see. And so some of the things that we've worked on in these Braille rooms, you know, we can go as simple as just going through the code, just the, the alphabet. You know, if someone has no access to any Braille materials at that time and they just want to learn it, we can go through and talk about A is dot one, B is dots one and two, et cetera. Or say if they're already learning it, kind of quiz them on that. We've also used things like um, a muffin tin to um, emulate the Braille cell or half of a egg carton can be used. Something that almost anyone has one of these items around the house. Um, we've also used like the Papa cell that APH has. Some people have gotten access to those and um, different little Braille learning aids to help them go through the code. Um, so we've done that. We've also had people coming in and being like more on the contraction side of things and done the same thing where we can go through and we can kind of quiz back and forth and work on them, um, help make up little mnemonic devices, perhaps sometimes share a laugh over a contraction and that's how you remember it. You know, uh, let's see. I also mentioned this McDuffie reader that we've been using um, since we found this. It's, it's really been helpful. It's something that actually is available through the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind Adaptation Store which is cool. Um, I want to say it's $30 over there. And it's also available um, a couple other places. Um, and that's something where it goes through the whole code from A to Z, then the contractions. And it, there's just a bunch of lessons. A lot of our mentors have this book so that they can help people work through those. And if someone gets stuck, help them, you know, they're on the same page. So they can help them work through that specific issue. So those have been really helpful. We also have people working on like seedlings books. The seedlings books are very affordable Braille books. You can get them in uncontracted or contracted Braille. Um, a lot of them come double spaced for the 
the kids books, which is really great when you're just learning Braille. And it's a lot to just figure out what character is under your finger, let alone, you know, what line you're on. So those have been really great. And we just, we're very flexible in the rooms. Our mentors are just there to help in any way they can have really gone above and beyond and um you know gotten whatever materials they can to help out in whatever way they can and i see there's a lot of people here who have joined both on the learner and mentor side so welcome everyone it's great to see you here um and i can't has tell a, you i believe now too how important braille is and i am so glad that there are innovative ways not only of using it, but of teaching it as well, um, especially for adults, because the reality is as children, we have lots of opportunities to practice. But when it comes to adults, especially newly blinded, not so much. Well, I have a question while while we're waiting, I, I guess, if, if you don't mind. Um, sure. Frank, you were talking yes. about doing books. Yes. Um, do you do that for individuals? I mean, if I have a cookbook, say, and I don't want it in hard copy Braille, but I want it as a, a text file or a BRM, I mean, well, scanning isn't going to do really good for numbers. That's the problem. I want a book turned into an electronic thing and say, I don't have a scanner. Would you do that kind of thing? We or could was do it just for agencies? We could do that. We, we work Again, most of our, our most of our work is done, you know, on contract with with various customers, whether that's individuals or agencies. Again, mostly it's probably organizations, but some individuals do things as well. And so, it's certainly something we could do. It's not cheap. I will tell you that. Um, basically, my my uh, what what we charge for is the amount of time that it takes to do the transcription plus the materials for um, actually creating the hard copy. Of course, if you're only asking for an electronic version, you save on that part of it. Yeah, but right. um, pretty much it's about $90 an hour for uh, the transcription. So depending on the size of the document, that yeah. can take a lot of time or, or not. So just be aware of that. But yes, we, we can do that. Okay. Uh, can I take a moment to uh, mention a couple of things I forgot earlier? You oh, sure one can. of them is touching the news because we haven't had a touching yes. the news and in I'm a glad while. you brought that up. And uh, first off... Um, I, I want to mention, as as it was indicated earlier, that we do have certain things that we we have a store at the Lighthouse in San Francisco. It's called the Adaptation Store. We have a physical location in our headquarters, but we also take orders over the phone or online. Our website is adaptations.org. And so you can just go to the website and order online, or you can send email to adaptations at lighthouse sf.org. Uh, we have, uh, in addition to the carrying the McDuffie uh, reader, we also have things like Braille paper, Braille slates and stylus, things like that. We also have Braille materials that we have produced in the in-house in the Mad Lab. We have uh, a Braille uh, calendar that we have started in the last couple of years. And I like to brag about that because I'm the designer. <laughs> and uh, it, it boasts probably the largest number of holidays of any of the Braille calendars on the market. Um, and we also have uh, a Braille UEB uh, contractions reference booklet so that if you want to, uh, along with your McDuff McDuffie reader, if you just want to have a, have a handy reference where you can refresh your memory on, on the different contractions that you have in UEB, you can get that. We have a version that's just, just Braille. 
We also have a version that includes both Braille and large print. And then we have a number of Braille maps. Like we have Braille maps of the United States, a Braille map of California, Braille maps of the San Francisco Bay Area. And we also have Braille maps of the Bay Area Rapid Transit sta uh, stations. So that if you're coming to the San Francisco Bay Area and you want to get more oriented, you can. I mentioned earlier about our T-maps. You can purchase individual T-maps from the Lighthouse store at a very low process price. It's about $25 a piece. All you do is when you make your order, you give the address that you want the map for, and it will generate a map of the streets around that neighborhood. So for example, if you are traveling to uh, Schaumburg, Illinois, just saying in this summer, and you want to get a map of the streets around the area, you can get that. Or if you're traveling to Washington, D.C. next month, then you want to get a, uh, a, an, a map of the streets around the hotel in Alexandria, Virginia, or say the uh, area around 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in uh, Washington, D.C., where the rally is going to be, then you could get a map of those places. Uh, we also, for a time, for about a year, we were doing a project called Touch, as that Jane mentioned, where we were producing about once every couple of weeks, we were producing a graphic based on news items. Like when the uh, Ukraine war was starting, we did a map of the uh, Ukraine area. Uh, we've done, we did maps of like the international, I mean, we did it, we had, we did a graphic of the international space station during, during sports seasons. We did graphics like of a, uh, a basketball court and then of a, a baseball diamond. Uh, and then we, we did, did other timely graphics. Unfortunately, we had to put that project on a hold for the time being. We hope to bring it back in the future, but uh, we still do have those map, those graphics are up on our website. And so if you want to. So find you can out, still order them if you. Um, we, 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 we not, we're not in a position for you to order them the hard copy, but if you want to go to the okay. website and just download uh, the graphic files, you can still do that. How about if I wanted um, a map, say, of the Louvre or the Arc de Triomphe or? Um, probably because of the cost of, we could certainly do that. Again, for the cost of an individual, that would be a challenge. And so what we've done is when we've done maps of museums, we've contracted with the museums so that they pay for the production of the map and then as part of that, they get several copies of the map that they can keep in-house. And then usually every so often they come back to us and we do a refresh of the map that they've made changes. So well, you probably should definitely if you consider have connections with, with the Louvre and you want to get them to have a make have us make maps for them, we could do it. I, I really hope that someday you contract with the Smithsonian because there are tons of cool um, museums within the Smithsonian's. There umbrella. are, and and if you have any connections with their, you know, with their accessibility staff at the Smithsonian, they def definitely steer them, steer us, steer them to us. Um, at some point, when it's appropriate, I can give you contact information for us here at the Lighthouse. Okay, um, we can take a few questions. All right, let's go ahead with that. Vanessa, you may unmute. There we go. Okay. Um, I think to the person at the the San Francisco Lighthouse, um, are the Sea Building books available for sale? 
to, or is it just for instructional purposes? Uh, this is Frank, and uh, we we don't have the seedling books in our store, but you can get them directly from seedlings. Uh, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, but of by course, the way, we do have we do have the McDuffie Reader in our store. Oh, uh, okay. And and Frank, you and I've corresponded via email from time to time with the GDUI. That's so, so good to meet your voice. Absolutely. Any other questions? Yes, next up is Jeannie Johnson. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome back. Hello. Can y'all hear me? Yes, ma'am. All right. Um, so I am congenitally blind, totally blind. And growing up, um, I always had problems with maps. And it just was very difficult and so my question for Frank is, have y'all gotten a lot of feedback about how easy it is to use the maps you're producing? Because I'm I'm really interested if they work because I have family in the Bay Area and, and it sounds very fascinating. Thank you. That's a great question. And, and we're certainly aware that a lot of folks, a lot of us in our community have not had a lot of exposure to tactile graphics. And because of that, they can be a challenge for some folks. And we're working on that issue. Uh, one thing that we have done is that one of the products that we have in our store that I didn't mention is that we have a tactile map, uh, uh, what, what would I call it? A, a tactile, tactile map manual where it's a manual that introduces you to uh, the concepts that we use in our maps, like the different uh, symbols that we use, and gives you exercise to practice. So you can get that from our store and you might find that helpful in terms of being, developing your skills in terms of reading maps and other tactile graphics. Another thing that we're working on is that we're working with our rehabilitation services department to start developing curriculum for teaching and learning tactile graphics. That's in the early stages, but, uh, Hopefully that will, as, as we move forward with that, that will make more opp opportunities for either training situations or perhaps for training materials. So it's definitely a concern that we're aware of and that we want to develop solutions for. But in the meantime, if you look up that uh, tactile map uh, guide in, a, in the store, that may be helpful to you. Excellent. Um, and, oh, we do have Professor Shaw. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. I'm William Shaw, and uh, uh, I did not uh, uh, hear everything that was said, but I think I am here to introduce myself. And then, uh, am I going to speak about ILO Braille now only? Is that right, the organizer? Yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, so first and foremost, uh, I'm speaking through my laptop directly. I did not know the headset, headset will cause this issue uh, that my voice wasn't going through. Okay, so well, first and foremost, as you all hear my name, that is so uncommon, unusual. It's even unusual in India where I am from, and I have my three masters, one each in uh, political science, sociology, and history. Um, I am a facilitator of I Love Braille, which is sponsored by East Bay Center for the Blind. Uh, I was 
I enrolled or uh, hired there as a Braille teacher. And now I am the director of Braille education with East Bay Center for the Blind. Uh, briefly, we are also working on uh, offering what we call learn at home Braille, which is like distance education Braille. Uh, and we are hoping to get started with uh, the first course in May. Uh, I also teach college. Uh, I currently teach online, but I did teach in classroom settings as well, because for 25 years I was in Chicago. And now for five years, I'm in Bay Area. And by the way, I'm an American citizen, although I'm from India. Okay, I love Braille that everybody loves to hear and everybody loves Braille, I believe to all are here. And that is a weekly online discussion group related to Braille issues. Then I started under the sponsorship of East Bay Center for the Blind, which is located in Berkeley, California. And that happened because after the end of my job with my previous employer, where I'm doing this kind of weekly sessions, I was feeling kind of a vacuum, emptiness, which I could not take. So I started talking to my ACB Bayview chapter president, and she was teaching Braille at East Bay Center for the Blind. So she liked my idea that we can run a weekly group, and that's how uh, she introduced me and the board approved. And that's how I started in September 2021. So we are now almost a uh, uh, baby of one and a half years. I love Braille. Uh, we conduct every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. For Maryland chapter, it is tall noon, which is your lunch time probably. Okay, and uh, it's about, we run it for approximately one hour. Uh, we cover different issues related to Braille, and the format that we follow is like this. First Thursday of every month, we have a guest speaker who speaks on a specific topic related to Braille. And we have had many of uh, uh, the guest speakers related to associated with ACB because that's where my connection directly goes, being a member of the Bayview chapter and uh, also being associated with many people uh, through the East Bay Center for the Blind. But we also have had Joe Kintamiya from National Brain Press and Michael Hudson has agreed to uh, be a guest speaker who is the director of museum at APH. So we get some known people, uh, including uh, uh, we have had Frank Welty to talk about Braille Challenge and Ralph Smitherman and Paul Edwards and many more. Uh, second Thursday, we keep it open for the participants to ask questions related to Braille and participants are encouraged to answer. So say for instance, one participant asked something, whether, you know, how you use uh, contractions uh, when you have a hyphen in between, and then anybody who knows the answer will give their answer or explanation. And Dorlin has been such a resourceful person when we get such questions. 
Of course, I add my uh, little knowledge about that whenever, wherever necessary. But I allow participants to ask participants questions to make our sessions more interactive. Third Thursday, we call it a poll star uh, session in which one of the participants shares his or her experience with using and learning Braille. And we are not confined just to the people who participate from the United States because I Love Braille is attended by uh, the individuals who live in other countries as well, such as South Africa, Nigeria, Macedonia in Europe, and Brazil, of course, Canada, I don't consider much a foreign country for a practical reason, of course, I'm not going into any politics, and a few other countries like the Philippines and India. So, uh, last third Thursday of the month, February, we have had a presentation made by a young lady from Nigeria that was so well appreciated, and of course, many others who have been active with Isla Braille have had a chance to share their stories about their experience with using and learning Braille. The fourth Thursday is a Braille fun day. We just have fun things doing, and that is, it includes Braille drawings, Braille puzzles, and uh, scrambles, and just everything. And sometimes we also have a presentation on Braille games, but anything to do with the fun using Braille. Now, certain months have five Thursdays, like March is going to have five. In which case, fifth Thursday is now mine, in the sense I decide as a facilitator what to do on the fifth Thursday, if any, in any month. Now, this is the format, and so far it's been working fine. And as I said, that we have participants from all over the United States and other countries. It has uh, uh, been so far well received, nearly 35 to 40 participants attend. And of course, the purpose is to promote and support Braille. So I would like to invite all members of Maryland chapter to attend our I Love Braille, which maybe you can eat your lunch and attend, I don't mind. But yes, I would like to invite you. And then, of course, I would like to invite some of you as guest speakers. So I'm going to contact people one by one. And if it is convenient to you, uh, please feel free to be our guest. That will be the honor. We will be honored about that. Just briefly, I love Braille. Any questions? Yes. Do you guys have any questions for Lynn? Okay, thank you. Um, this is Mary from Massachusetts. Hi, Sandra. Um, hey, Mary. Hello. So my question actually had been from before, um, but um, but thank you, um, Professor, because I, I, I have to get into a couple of your programs. Um, mm -hmm. So this has been wonderful to hear all about the, the different Braille programs happening. But my question was for Frank. Frank, I'm wondering, um, so one of my most prized possessions as a kid was my globe and I used to have more vision. So having a globe of the world was just amazing. Um, do you, 
Do you know, do you have there at the lighthouse or know of places where one can find like braille maps of the different continents, like Europe, Asia, Africa, or is there even anything, a braille version of, of a globe? So, I, so I could, you yeah. know. I don't know about a globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know those are those, those braille globes are really cool back in the day. And I don't know if somebody's still selling them. I think um, APA does actually. Yeah, I, I, my, my suggestion would be check with American Printing House for the Blind to see if they sell that. I would say for for those maps, I'd say a really great place to go for a lot of maps is the uh, National Braille Press because they inherited the collection of maps that were done by the Princeton Brailleists, and and they haven't been updated, but they still they they still make those available, and they have lots of maps of lots of places. So I would say start there. I would also check to see what American Printing House has, if they have any, they certainly have uh, U.S. maps, but I, I, you can see if they have at other maps of other areas. Those are the two places I would start. Um, yeah, maps are great. And so I would, those are the two places I'd recommend. Okay, I will. Thank you. I'll add to that since I happen to know where. <laughs> I've gotten a few um, out of the country. You can also, I'll, and I'll give it to you offline, Mary, but um, ONSE, which is the organization for people who are blind or visually impaired in Spain, they make some spectacular um, world maps that you might find fascinating. Okay, so I think we kicked the ball back to you, Dalin. Were there any other Braille classes that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, well, there's one class or one call rather that we've just added. We've done it once so far on the first of February, and we're going to be doing it again on the first of March and every first of the month going forward. Uh, we're just uh, whipping out our Braille calendars and getting a feel for them. So it's kind of perfect that Frank Welty's here. I actually have his calendar in my hands right now, and I love it. Um, and so this coming Wednesday, March 1st at noon Eastern time, uh, we'll be uh, getting a feel for the months of March at our The Dots of March call. You've heard of the Ides of March. This is The Dots of March. Um, I know personally, when I first got my first Braille calendar, I was pretty overwhelmed by it. I thought, oh, a Braille calendar, this is going to be awesome. It's just like, oh my goodness, I don't know what all these dots are and needed a little bit of help interpreting it. And so that's what this call is for, Uh, for people who are newer to Braille, but have these Braille calendars. There's so many of them available out there between the one that uh, Frank has made that the San Francisco Lighthouse sells um, to the APH Insights calendar that we've been uh, hearing given out as door prizes here. Um, The Lutheran Braille Workers and Xavier Society for the Blind both produce kind of religious themed calendars um, and distribute those for free. Um, The American Action Fund has a free pocket calendar that's out there. And then my uh, personal favorite, actually, is the National Braille Press's Peanuts calendar. Mine, too. Oh, isn't it fun? (laughs) (laughs) Happiness is a Braille calendar. Um, and they, uh, it's a, the commercially available peanuts calendar that you can pick up in the stores, but this one has braille overlays on it. And they've actually brailled onto the, the calendar, the month itself. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. 
there's a quote at the top of each happiness is a happiness is a braille calendar. That's my own one. But I think this last month was happiness is true love, something cute like that. Um, and so we just were we get out those calendars and we go through kind of character by character. Um, a lot of people haven't been exposed to certain uh, contractions such as the dot five, six S for NESS that you'll find at the end of happiness. So we'll do that, you know, um, also some of the calendars don't include numeric indicators. Some of them do. Um, some of them have grade one indicators. Some of them don't. So we just kind of are, you know, decoding these calendars um, on the first of the month each month. And like I said, we've only done it once so far. It was a lot of fun and we'll be doing it this next uh, Wednesday, March 1st, 2023 at noon Eastern. And we'd love to invite everyone to come and bring whichever Braille calendars you have. And we we took some turns and let other people read them. And when people were done with that, I kept going until my fingers got numb. So <laughs> it's a good time. And I know some people are getting new Braille calendars this week, so it'll be fun fabulous that makes me wish i had um gotten other braille calendars from national braille press because as much as i like aph truth be told i prefer the braille. fair enough but um we are going back to dr shah is there anything else that you would like to add Okay, I also yeah, I definitely enjoy having dressed uh, me as doctor, but anyway, yeah, uh, I have been a professor, so you may say that, but anyway, uh, I have been missing some contents. What am I supposed to do now? You are basically continuing on with your discussion if you'd like to continue talking about I love Braille or if you would like to discuss anything else Braille related, we are definitely ears. So first and foremost, uh, I am an avid Braille reader and I have been using Braille all my life. I lost my vision at age three. So the first thing I learned to read and write about was Braille. And uh, there are some interesting things about that too, but uh, I think that will be too personal. Uh, the Braille that I learned was not English because I was in India at that time. So I learned in my language, it is still Braille and the basic concept is same, but Braille has been customized to the needs of other languages. So there was some discussion in our I love Braille section uh, and how Braille is used in other languages the answer to them was that it's customized using 63 symbols in different ways. And some of these symbols are similar in our languages, of course, like A represents K and things like that. Um, so that's one of the things at ILO Braille, you know, we oftentimes uh, happen to talk on a wider plane discussing the issues related not only to Braille in the United States, but elsewhere. And also we happen to talk about uh, availability of Braille materials in other countries, which is definitely a problem for many countries. We are really blessed here to get plenty of Braille materials, magazines, periodicals, books, you just name it. Okay. I think that I would, the Marrakesh yeah. done 
way to helping that um, situation of where you have, you know, real deserts, for lack of a better phrase. And and on the other hand, you have places like the estate where real is plentiful. Um, Frank, we're going to come back to you. Anything else within the San Francisco life you'd like to address? Yeah, I want to give you contact information for us. And I, I want to mention that in this era of, of modern communications, just because you don't live in the San Francisco Bay Area doesn't mean you can't take advantage of our programs and services. If you want more information about the Lighthouse, you can call us at area code 415-431-1481. Or if you have questions, you can write to info at lighthouse-sf.org. Our website is lighthouse-sf.org. If you want to specifically learn about the Mad Lab, you can write to madlab at lighthouse-sf.org. That's M as in Michael, A, D as in David, L as in Lion, A, B as in Bravo. So that's madlab at lighthouse-sf.org. Um, you can... Uh, Okay. Also, we have a, a web page on the website. So if you go to lighthouse-sf.org slash madlab, you can get more information. If you want to order materials from our store, you can call 888-400-8933, or you can write to adaptations at lighthouse-sf.org, or you can order online at adaptations.org. And uh, somebody mentioned Touching the News earlier. If you want to find out about Touching the News, go to lighthouse-sf.org slash T-T-N. If you want to find out about our team apps, you can visit lighthouse-sf.org slash T-Map. So lots of information. And if anybody wants to write or call me, you can just uh, contact the Lighthouse and ask to be forwarded to me. May I, also share, may I also share the email address? Sure. To, for any questions for Isla Obrea? Yes. It's, it's my last name, which is spelled S H A H, at East Bay Center for the Blind.org. So again, S H A H, at East Bay Center for the Blind.org. So feel free to send me any email, your comments, your observations for today's presentation, and anything else that you've feel good about I Love Braille. Thank you. Okay. And mm -hmm. Dolan, can people want to reach out to you? Uh, should they reach out to Cindy through the community calls? Um, well, they can't always do that, but they actually can reach out to me directly. Um, at It's easy to remember, braille-together at gmail.com. It's all written out, braille-together at gmail.com. And that'll get you straight to me. And any questions you have about Braille Together, I'd love to answer. I like that one. <laughs> I, I really like that one. So um, we are going to go ahead and bring this panel to a close, unless there are other questions. Oh, hold on. Okay, Vanessa, Lowry, you may unmute. I'm going to ask what would be an odd question, but here goes to any of the three of you. There are still some diehard Opticon users, and God bless them. Their Opticons are still limping along. 
And it is a tactile form of reading, even though it's not Braille. Um, but one of the issues that they often run into is um, the maintenance of them because, you know, periodically they need to be cleaned or whatever. Do either of you offer or have at least access to resources about how someone can get the, their Opticon serviced? I can answer that. Um, Ohm Electronics, uh, Richard Ohm, uh, as far as I know, he's still repairing Opticons. And and God bless him. He repaired all three of mine. And uh, he does a lot of that, that work. Um, is he in California? I believe he's in California somewhere. He is. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Oh. Uh, Frank, does the Lighthouse do any of that? We do not. In fact, I was going to suggest Ohm Electronics as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Jane, do you have contact info for him that I can get from you later? Not in my head, but give call me later. It's in my address book. Sounds I'll, like a plan. I'll call me later if I forget. Just okay. All right. Anybody else? Yes, we have another repeat, and that would be Roger Peterson. Hello, Roger. Welcome back. Is that me you're talking to? Yes. Uh, I I wanted I know Richard Ohm, and I just wanted to. So I don't have handy his contact information, but I know that it's in in four one one information because I got it there. He lives in San Jose, and his name is O E H M. His last name, and it's I've it's his residence. His information. I've got it. So if anybody needs work, it, write me. Three, knows everything there is to know about Opticons. And um, I, uh, I, the other person that I am talking with regularly that you might be interested in knowing is uh, I have, I'm in regular phone contact with a lady named Petra Janes, who was a I call her the queen of the Opticon, or the Opticon queen, because she worked for an airline for something like 25 years, and her only computer access was an Opticon. Um, and she still uses Opticons. She lives in Oklahoma, but she she talks to Richard Ohm too. She sends him her, her Opticons as well. Okay, <laughs> so thank that, you. That is a that is value. That is a, a true. Reference. Thank you. Um, I have a question of my own. Braille repair. Um, the Braille Revival League um, a couple of years ago put out a list of Braille writer repair places, and I try to keep it up to date. Um, so I do have a list of Braille repair places. Um, so I can send that to anyone who who would like to uh, to have it. Um, I know we can't give out our, in, well, can we do that? I mean, this is an ACB of Maryland thing. It's not a community call. What is the, I, yes. Um, that one. This is not community. Oh, so this is different. This is not community. Well, uh, I'm Jane Corona. I'm the treasurer of the Braille Revival League. Um, so I do have that list. If you write to Jane.e.corona, C-A-R-O-N-A. I can send you the list of um, 
of Braille okay. or Repair. What's the rest of your email, Jane? At gmail.com. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I say that? I I don't know. No. I'm so <laughs> I don't know what I said. Jane.e.carona at gmail.com. Um, what do we have coming up for the rest of the afternoon? That way I don't have to go through my program. That's right. That's right. One day you're going to learn Braille. I swear you're going to learn <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Amazingly <laughs> enough, you've had yeah. enough Braille here today. You know? So know. anyway, um, at three o'clock, there's a panel called It's Game Time. And we have um, Lucy Edmonds from, from Playing Games with Lady A. And we have Herbie Allen to tell us about Dice World, which I know nothing about. And Andy Borka and Jason Fair to talk about uh, a flight simulator, which would be totally cool. I don't know anything about how this works. So um, that is from three to four. And then at An accessible, four, huh? accessible flight simulator. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, you'd be really good with that. You can get a job with um, some <laughs> airline or something. <laughs> Pretend like you can see. Um, from four to five, we have a panel. Oh, this is yours, Pat. Describing the universe, audio describing the universe. Right. Uh, people from the Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. um, and then at five, after after that, there's a, a door prize session. Um, and we have uh, from 5.05 to 6, blindness and the Native American uh, experience in Maryland and around the country. We have two people who are uh, Native Americans to talk about a minority that we, most of us don't really know too much about. Um, we had our, our prayer this morning with in uh, oh, some of it in charity. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was very interesting. Yeah. And I thought that was, uh, you know, so we're starting our day and ending our day on the same note. Um, and there's more, there's more, wait. There's great, there's more, go ahead. At six o'clock, our virtual banquet dinner. Mm -hmm. um, we can go around the room, and if anyone's of mind to, you can tell what you're going to be having or what you have had for your virtual banquet dinner. And good then, food. Yeah. yeah. Then after the virtual, um, the banquet, the virtual banquet, and telling what we're eating, we have our banquet speaker, um, Gabriel Lopez Cafati, um, with his. Um, as a banquet speech, um, how I multiplied my stars, mm -hmm. and he is a new member of the um, uh, ACB board, and he is Maryland's liaison to the ACB board. So, so that it will be fun to hear from him. Uh, hopefully, his internet is back up. Last night, their internet was down, and he and Anthony were having fits trying to get their internet back. So, hopefully, it'll be better tonight and then um after that is the auction we have um 34 auction items um this tonight for our auction and we hope everybody will come to that and and um bid bid very high because i'm the treasurer like i said before treasurers have their hands out for money and but we have our closed fist too we don't want the president to spend it all so we have it we collect it and we keep it and we so you will be describing the... Uh, I will be describing the items and Razor will be our auctioneer doing mm -hmm. all the auction pattern and stuff. And I have 34 pieces of paper here all clipped together with a bull clip. 
and okay. I will write down who it is who who um, gets each item, who the high bidder is, and I will contact that person to get their credit card information. And then after I have gotten their payment, then I will tell the person who has the item who to send it to. That's to introduce good. this next panel is the, uh, if she's here, the, the chair of our convention program committee, Meryl Schechter. She's the one introducing this next panel. Meryl, you should be able to unmute. Um, I apologize, everybody. This morning, I, I got in yesterday. It was uh, no issue. But today when I got in the meeting, um, it said that come in with your browser. wouldn't let me go in with a webinar. And ever since then, I have not been able to. And I apologize. I have not been able to uh, do anything. I've been trying to resolve it. But it's terrible. So anyway, I'm going to no have problem. to be. You're here now. Promoted. You're sounding great, Meryl. You're sounding fine. Oh, thank no you. No problem at all. So yeah. am, I promoted to am I promoted to panelist now, Chanel? I, I can't do that since you're on the phone. You'll just have to stay unmuted oh, on the attendee I'm sorry. side. I guess I'll just stay on the phone then. So and and you know. Or try so, your panelist link, but no, I can't promote you as a phone I, user. I can't even do that now. I can't. Oh, You'll be fine. All right. But anyway. you're you're sounding okay. fine, Meryl. Um, thank you. I would. It is my pleasure. Well, Meryl, could you try um, coming in on your iPhone, on your you know using the Zoom yeah, app itself? Yeah. I, it's okay. I she's fine. Yeah, I tried. I tried, but I'll try again. No, you're fine. Um, where you are. I'll, I'll do it after this presentation, though. I'll yeah, figure it fine. out again. But okay, so because I'm, you know, I know pretty much from learning about technology. That's why it's frustrating. Anyway, um, I would like to introduce our awesome uh, gaming panel. And okay, we have Mr. Herbie Allen. Herbie is a cook extraordinaire. He does the. Um, cooking call, Herbie's Cooking Corner. Uh, he also is a Zoom host, and he's a clubhouse moderator and a clubhouse connector and all that. And plus, um, he is going to talk now about Dice World and how you can get onto Clubhouse and do it. As a matter of fact, I did come in yesterday on his Dice World and listened a little bit. It was fascinating. So without further ado, here's Herbie Allen. Well, thank you, Meryl. I want to start by clarifying one um, important thing in regards to Clubhouse. So what Meryl's referring to is a Dice World club that I run every Friday. And I will talk more about that in a few minutes because that is actually not related to Dice World itself. So... Um, Dice World is an app for your iPhone or Android device. So Dice World is a gaming app that is around for your iPhone or Android device. Um, I have also heard that it can be ran on an M1 Mac and I think, don't quote me on this because I don't have one, I think you could potentially run it on an Android-based Chromebook as well. I do not believe there are any Windows applications for Dice World. It has six games, and um, they are Farkle, Yahtzee, Balut, A Pig, 
threes and one four twenty four. And the app itself is free, and there is a free version of all the games where you can play and not have to pay anything, but you will have to deal with some video ads. I paid for the premium version, which I think was, what, like $3, maybe a little bit less, and this is a while ago, and I, can, I don't have to uh, listen to any advertisements. It is completely accessible, and in fact, uh, it's one of those games that um, I think it was always accessible, but uh, thanks to a lot of positive feedback early on, the developers became aware of us and have always seemed to have accessibility in mind. And um, with these games, you play them either against another player or you can play against bots. It's not like RS games, you play um, with somebody live per se, it's kind of play whenever you are ready. So how it works is when you take your turn, then you're going to, it tells you that your opponent that you've taken your role and it's now their turn. And they have up to five days to take their role. So this means that when you're playing against somebody, you could be playing with them within the space of like a minute or, you know, about a day. So it's not like, say, the uh, RS Games and Quentin's Game Room where you're playing with somebody live in real time. But um, I'm going to now explain just kind of like the different games and uh, then we'll t take settings, uh, talk about settings, and I'll talk about a couple of the things that you can pay for on Dice World as well, should you choose to. So I mentioned the games, uh, Farkle, Yahtzee, Balut. Farkle is probably the most popular game on Dice World. And um, basically what you want to do, you want to either roll a one or a five within six die and to keep your dice alive. And if you don't get them, you get Farkled. Now, one of the things you can pay for with Dice World is gold, which will give you a bonus roll. And so you can either get the gold by watching video ads or by paying for the gold, and you pay different amounts for different uh, amounts of gold. So, like, 99 cents, I think, is what, like, a hundred gold or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but you can find all that in the Dice World store. And with the Farkle, though, there are some extra things you can get to get bonus points. So, for instance, if you get three ones, that is worth 1,000 points. If you get to three fives, that's worth 500 points. You can also get a straight, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, and that is worth... 1,500 points, and then you choose when to bank the dice. So there's a strategy there. So let's say you roll six dice and you get a one and a five, or you can choose to either bank that 150, or you can keep one of the die and re-roll the rest, and that hope that you don't get farkled out, but you do want to, of course, score more than your opponent. 
First one to 10,000 points wins. The next game is Yahtzee, and this is one that uh, you might be familiar with. And their Yahtzee is pretty straightforward. So, um, with Yahtzee, you've got uh, four, it's two different levels or categories, I guess you could say. You've got ones through sixes that you want to fill up, and the idea is to at least get three in each of those categories. So that way you can get a bonus of 35 points. So you want to get like three ones, three twos, three sixes, so on and so forth. And of course, more is even better. Then um, you've got your three of a kind, four of a kind, full house, large straight, small straight, Yahtzee. And um, basically three of a kind is, you know, three of the same dice. And the higher the dice, the more uh, the that you'll get for your three of a kind. So let's say you get a three of a kind on ones and twos. Well, three ones is only worth three points. Two twos is, you know, four points. So you get a combined score of seven. But let's say you get three sixes and two fives. Well, now you're really rolling because that three sixes is 18. Then the two fives is 10, so that's uh, 28 points, if I did my... Uh, yeah, 28 points. Um, I, I I got a D in math, so, you know. Um, anyway, with the algebra. But then four of a kind, it's the same concept, except it's four dice of the same value. And those can be a little bit more of a challenge to get. Then you've got your small straight and your large straight. The large straight, I'm going to explain that one first because it's the easier one. And that is your either 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 or 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Small straight is either a large straight or a straight with the two of the same numbers. So you can get 2, 2, 3, 4, 5 or 2, 3, 4, 4, 5 and that will get you a small straight. What's also important to know with Yahtzee is you can definitely get double and triple Yahtzees. And so I've definitely seen somebody score as high as 600 points when they got to five Yahtzees. Balut is the most complicated game that they have on Dice World. And some people like it, some people don't. But it's an enhanced version of Yahtzee, and basically how it works is instead of your 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, which you do have to a point, you have to fill up the 4s, 5s, and 6s categories. There is no 1s, 2s, and 3s. And you need 4 in each kind to equal a certain amount. And so with 4s... I believe it's 52 fives. It is um, 75 or 65, rather. And the same with sixes. And you do that by getting at least, um, so you have to fill up those categories. So like, say, with the fives, you'll want to at least get four of them in one slot and like three sets of five in the other at an absolute minimum. And then you've got straights, and these are interesting because it has to be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And if it's the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, it'll get you 15 points. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 will get you 20 points. And the more points, the better, of course. But uh, 
And then you've got full house, and you need four of those. And the full house, I did not explain that in Yahtzee, but it works the same, um, well, similar, but it's three of one dice, two of another. So let's say you get one, two, one, one, two, 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 or one, two, 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 one. That is a full house. But in Yahtzee, no matter what dice you get, it's 25 points. In Balut, it's the value of the dice. So a full house with five, five, six, 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 for instance, in Dice World is worth a lot more than a full house with one, one, two, two, two. And then you get a Balut in Yahtzee. Again, if you get a Yahtzee, that's just worth 50 points no matter the dice. Balut, the dice value matters. I mean, you do get two points, but it will affect your overall score. So a Balut with sixes is worth a lot more than ones. And... E, and then Balut also has a very interesting way of being scored because it's based on two different point totals and you're probably already confused as it is and so you kind of have to play the game or really you can also join us on our Dice World Club where we, when we do play Balut and we will help you out in real time. Pig is the most interesting and press-your-luck type game that Dice World has. The idea is to roll anything but a 1, and if you get a 1, you get pigged, and then you lose your uh, rules. If you have a bonus roll, of course, then you can try that first, but uh, you can lose your points, so uh, you pig. The trick with that is knowing when to stop, So, because let's say you have accumulated 70 points and then you suddenly pig out because you get a one, well, you've lost that 70 points. Threes. Threes is worth zero, believe it or not. So the idea is um, you get five dice and you want to score as low as possible. And three is, what's, what's interesting is three is actually worth zero points, and then the rest of the dice are worth their value. But you can do a press your luck type thing. So let's say you get all five ones, that is worth minus five, and uh, all five sixes is worth minus 30. But if you miss one of those sixes, you're stuck with a 24 or an 18. So be careful when you take chances like that. And they, are, they fail more often than they work. And then finally, 1 for 24. The idea of this game is pretty straightforward, but you have to have at least a 1 and a 4 for the rest of your dice to count towards anything. And so you can get as high as 24 if you get all 6s, or if you um, can do, like if you get all 1s, that is worth 40, 40 points, 2s is worth 30 points, but you do have to have that five, one and the four. So I've just given you a brief overview of how the games work. To really understand it, you'll probably really want to play the game. You can do practice mode with any of the games. And so the app is called Dice World. It's two words, D-I-C-E space W-O-R-L-D. And now I will briefly talk about what I do on Clubhouse. So I... First of all, I want to make sure that you understand that what I do on Clubhouse is not associated with the actual Dice World company. This is a freelance thing that I do. And um, 
So on Clubhouse, I run a Dice World Club where every Friday we get together and we play a different tournament. And yes, Dice World has a different tournaments you can play for gold prizes. And so we play in real time, and uh, that meets every Friday at 11. The club is Let's Play Dice World. And um, we're actually starting a March Madness series, but uh, I'm not going to go into all the details on that. But not only do we uh, play on Dice uh, Clubhouse every Friday, but we also have a WhatsApp group where we play additional tournaments on Sunday and Tuesday. And the club has really... I mean, we're very competitive, let's, you know, be honest, but we're we're nice to new people that are at least new to Dice World. Um, but we have helped a lot of people learn how to play Dice World better over the years because you get to watch other people play and you get to play yourself. And um, we uh, challenge people to, uh, you know, we challenge each other and things like that outside of the uh, tournaments. With Dice World, you just need to either know the person's username who you want to play. You can also have it find a random person, or you can be added to what is called the game queue, where it'll find you a random person that will play the particular game you are wanting to play. With that, I think now is a good time to see if anybody has any questions regarding Dice World. Gary, you may unmute. Hey, how you doing, Herbie? Uh, I've, uh, I can speak a testimony to the uh, the actual club because I've hung out with the club before and played with them. I've, uh, yeah, we I've, miss you. Where have you yeah. been? Well, well, I will be back. Um, I've had you know, things going on here, which um, which I should be able. I think I'm, I'm planning on being with you guys for the March Madness part, at least for this Friday anyway. Looking like I should be able to, so I'm looking All forward right. to getting back up there again. Um, I've been playing Dice World since 2012, I think, or 13, something like that. I've been playing for quite a while. Yep, for and as long so, as I've been playing, yep. So um, I you know, enjoyed, um, I, I started with, obviously, the, the Farkle and the uh, and, and the uh, and the Yahtzee at first, and then you know, the Blue came along later, and... But the only one I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy the Penguin as much either, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I don't care, but I do like the other five, and and uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting challenge. It's fun to go out there and see different people's strategies and stuff like that. Because you know, there's, you know, there's more than one way to to win. There's there's you no know, it, it uh, there's a lot of luck, but then there's strategy too. Now, what do you do to try to um, to maximize your you know your your best bet for doing well, or do you want to you know, throw caution to the wind and go for the big one? You know, it's it's you know depending on the. If it's late in the game and you're down, you take you swing for the fences. If it's early or you maybe you're on a roll, maybe you say let's not go too crazy here and and uh, make sure we keep you know it's it's so many uh, so many um, the different strategies and and then the fun of, of you know with the club you can kind of talk and of course people raise you about hey why don't you go for the you know you know why don't you go for the big one there or maybe or just um, or throw away those four good dice and start with that one bad one you know. Now, instead yep. of going for this four sixes, go for that one instead. You know, this uh, <laughs> so fun stuff like that. You know, we have a lot of fun, you no, know, getting back and forth and stuff and and all that. So um, definitely, it's a nice, uh, relaxing thing, and, and it's interactive, and and um, it is, you know, 
they have uh, really put a lot behind the accessibility for us because I think early on, a lot of us picked up the game when they first came out with it. And when they got all the positive feedback, they really have made it important, you know, to think to them to keep it accessible for us. So unlike some of these absolutely incredible graphic games that are out there that have these magnificent noises and and graphics and stuff that don't mean anything if you can't see it, um, it's nice to have a game that's everything is accessible and and uh, one thing that Herbie didn't mention too, if you're if you're into different noises, sounds, so you can buy different sound packs and stuff like that. So if you if you don't like the yep. noise that that you get when you get a sparkle or or a win or whatever, that you know you can you can change to to different sounds uh, from from you know, bells and whistles to uh, biological noises to any any kinds of uh, thing you can imagine to, yep. to use for your sound. So uh, that's kind of a fun thing too. So. And the other thing I will mention about Dice World too, because you know we talk about accessibility. I mean, it, it's it, you know it has a full, it does have full graphics for sighted people as well. So that way, you know, it really gives us an even playing field for something that we can play with as sighted people. And so I think that's pretty cool about the game too. So, and we do have one more raised hand, and that is right. Terry Nettles. Terry. Terry, you may unmute. Okay. I keep saying muted and unmuted. Okay, what am I? That's Jaws being difficult. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, I like Dice World. Two things. Um, I like Dice World. Um, I've only played the three. I've played uh, Yahtzee, Farkle, and three. Wait a minute. Yahtzee, Farkle, threes, and... One four twenty four. Yeah, I have not tried the other two, um, but I have a question, Herbie, about the club. Okay, so you go on Clubhouse, and then and then what I would do is look up Dice World Club. Is that correct? Let's play. Yep, and then how do you play it once you're in there? <laughs> I mean, how do you pull up Dice World? So can you explain that? So Di- Clubhouse will let you play on the same device. So. You would so what first? I mean, so what you would do is you would come, you would join us in the club. We start, we have our pre dice social at ten thirty central, eleven thirty eastern, and then the game usually starts at eleven. So how it works is um, we'll t- when we make sure people coming in, and you can join us late and still play. You just have to catch up before you can play with us live. So uh, we do our best to accommodate everybody, but I, I want to. That. So what it how it works is if you come in though, I include your name on the list and we'll t- make sure everybody knows what tournament to look for. So it'll be making bacon or like last week it was pig banana. Um, so you'd go into the tournaments button in Dice World and you'd find the tournament that we're all going to play for that day. And then I take down everybody's Dice World username in alphabetical order and then I call on you and then you'll take... Um, most games, it's two rounds. Balut, we've kind of done four rounds to make it go a little bit faster because it's our longest game. And uh, you would just kind of narrate what you're doing as you're going along. If you're on the same device or if you have a separate device, you can just let us hear what you're doing. So, um, you know, some people will come in on, like, say, their iPad and play on their phone. Or I actually use Club Deck 
on my computer. So, and then I patch in my phone. So I let people hear it in uh, real time. So that's how the club works. And then you can find it a couple of ways. You can find the, let's look for the let's play dice world. If you're not good with that and you can, I mean, if you're following me, you'll see what clubs I'm part of and, Let's play Dice World as Potter. You know, it's going to be that. I can also, if you ask me ahead of time, I can also ping you into the event. So that would ensure that you'd get a notification saying Herbie is inviting you to the Let's Play Dice World Club. And then you can, you know, join us that way. So, Well, the, the time police is going to start rearing its ugly head. We have two more panelists. And so, I mean, everybody loves Dice World and that's wonderful. But we do have two more. Should we... Meryl, what do you, I want to make sure that the other two get a sure. time to speak. I'm yeah. here. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so the next one is our awesome um, Lucy Edmonds, and she does games to play with Lady A on the community, and she's also a Zoom host, facilitator, and on the daily schedule, um, she's a clubhouse moderator and connector as well. And she also does a show uh, on uh, the Michigan Council of Blind Visually Impaired channel. So she also is very talented like Kirby is. So without further ado, it's such a fun game because she always talks about different skills. But she's going to talk about the different skills associated, not, not demonstrating the games or anything. So she's going to talk about different skills and categories. So here you go, Lucy. All right. Hello, everyone. And thank you, Meryl and, and Jane, for asking me to do this fun presentation because um, I love to play games. And I'm not going to talk about the different Lady A devices today because we just don't have time. So um, your Lady A devices provide many opportunities for playing lots of great games and let me just say that I do an ACB community call on Lady A games, and it's the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. However, this coming Tuesday, I won't be doing it. So our next one will be March 14th, um, 2 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so, <laughs> and um, uh, let's see, what am I doing here? Okay, so... If you are near your your device and it has the name A-L-E-X-A and well, actually, mine's called Z-I-G-G-Y today. So never mind that. I guess I won't really be saying it um, as I, if I were to uh, demonstrate the games, which I might if I have time. I'm hooked up to do that. So first of all, let me just say that there are several ways to find out what games are available you can ask your device about the different categories of games, for example. Um, you can ask her, what word games do you have? What trivia games do you have? Quiz games, uh, music games, and so on. There are just like hundreds and hundreds of games. Oh, my gosh. And um, you can also uh, access the Amazon Alexa app on your smart device and go under the more tab and then um, under skills and games and you'll find all kinds of categories of games there. 
you can also search for a specific game or category if you if you know which game you're actually looking for. Now, there's a website that you can go to that lists games um, alphabetically, and it is divided into two links. Uh, first link is A through L and then M through Z, and those games are um, listed. It's forum, F-O-R-U-M dot audiogames.net. And um, there are short descriptions of the games listed there also. So there's also a, an email list that you can join. Um, and you can find out lots of different things about your Alexa devices, not only games. You can ask questions and stuff. And to subscribe to that, it is echo, E-C-H-O, plus subscribe at groups.io. And um, that's a, a really great um great email list and you can also google of course um games to play with your alexa devices and find out websites there so so all of the games are free to start out with however many of them will charge your amazon account if you want to access or unlock higher levels or other features of many of the games and they will usually offer you like a seven-day free trial. But if you don't remember to cancel, they will charge your account. So be careful when you do that. <laughs> so um, actually, I I do have uh, a little bit of time here, I think. So I'll just um, demonstrate here a couple of uh, games. So... Let's see. Let's see if you can hear my device here. Ziggy, are you there? I'm here. I listen once I hear the wake word. Okay, good. All right. So this first game is called Word Chain. And first, uh, you're given several categories to choose from. And how many players or if you want to just play against her. So she'll say a word in the category and you have to say a word beginning with the last letter of her word. All right, let's see if we can do this. Ziggy, open word chain. You have a game in progress with a chain of five words. The game category is fruits and vegetables, playing with two players in competitive mode. Would you like to resume? No. Let's play a word chain. To start, please first choose one of the available categories. Countries, capitals, animals, fruits, and vegetables. Animals. The two of us can play the game. Are there others around you that will also join? No. There are two modes of this game, cooperative and competitive. Please select one by saying cooperative or competitive. Competitive. All right. I will start by saying vampire squid. It's your turn. Say a word starting with D. Duck. Excellent. I am next. I will say kangaroo. You are next. Ostr say a word starting with O. Ostrich. Spot on. I am next. I will say hawk. You are next. Say a word starting with K. Oh, dear. Say a word starting with K. 
Koala. I can't think of kangaroo. Koala. Kangaroo is already oh. used. Please right. say another word. Koala. Spot on. I will say. American black bear. Say a word starting with R. Rooster. <laughs> Roundworm. Say a word starting with M. Okay, you get the idea. Ziggy, stop. We have built a chain with nine words. Game is still not over. You can resume it later by saying, Alexa, ask word chain to resume, or start a new game by saying, Alexa, start word chain. All right. So, um, <clears throat> so the next uh, category that we can talk about are quiz games. And um, one that I kind of like is called Quiz Champion. And Let's see. Well, I don't know. Let's do. Oops, my braille display here. Let's do. Let's do Quizmaster. Uh, Ziggy, open Quizmaster. Welcome to Quizmaster, the most popular quizzing skill. Searching for player. <laughs> Connected to player from Surat. Should we start the quiz? Yeah. Question number one. In what town Jesus was born? Bethlehem or Paris? Bethlehem. You are right. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Player two got answer wrong. Oh. Your current score is one and player two score is zero. Question number two. Toronto is a city in which country? United States of America or Canada? Canada. You are right. Toronto is the capital city of the province of Ontario and the largest city in Canada by population. Player 2 got answer wrong. Your score is 2 and player 2 score is 0 out of 2. Question number 3. What is the most number of sixes made by any player in an inning in 2020 international cricket? What is the most number of sixes made by any player in an inning in 2020 international cricket? Five. Ooh. Chris Gale hit 18 sixes in a T20 match against Daka Dynamite in 2017. Your score is two and player two <coughs> scores one out of three. Question number four. Ziggy, stop. Quizmaster team wishes you and your family a Merry Merry Christmas and very Happy New Year. Okay. We would love to see you back. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so you get the idea on that one. Let's see, how much time do I have? I don't know. Um, maybe about three, three or four minutes, and then we'll go to the, do you think the um, other? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's try one more. one more. Okay, so this is trivia. All right, this is called health trivia. And you just answer five questions. There's tons of different trivia games. There are adventure games. Um, there are, oh my gosh, I just any kind of game that you would want. And so you really do have to search for them or ask what categories are available. Even there are music games, name that tune, music quiz, beat the intro. Oh, and oh, I know. Let's do this silly game. 
This is called Ding Dong Coconut. And you're given a sound with a word to be associated with it. And then you have to remember them. Okay. Ziggy, open Ding Dong Coconut. Let's play Ding Dong Coconut. Are you playing solo or with friends? Solo. Get ready for a one-player game. Round one. After you hear... Say, brain. After you hear... Say, president. Don't speak until the sound finishes. Here we go. President. Brain. Round two. Let's add a new sound. After you hear, say, language. Here we go. Language. President. Brain. Round three. Let's add a new sound. After you hear, say, ocean. Here we go. Ocean. Brain. Language. Brain. Ziggy, Round stop. Four. Thanks for playing Ding okay. Dong Coconut. So you get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a silly game. And the more you play it, the more you laugh. And so you kind of forget what the heck you're trying to do. So um, if you want to have lots of fun, join my community call uh, the second and fourth Tuesdays of each month at 2 p.m. Eastern. We do have a blast. And it's also broadcast on the ACB Media 5. And it's in Clubhouse. So um if anybody has any questions for the last couple of minutes. We do have a raised hand if we can take that. Sure. Rebu Re excuse me, Roberta, you may unmute. Roberta. Hi. Um, Hi. You mentioned, I'd like to follow up. Is there a um, an app for the phone? That, uh, I heard you say an Alexa app. Did I hear Holly you correctly? It's where you connect all of your devices. You have to go through the Amazon Alexa app to connect all your devices. And then, you know, um, you can use your phone as an actual Alexa device, but I don't have time to explain how you yeah. do that. But you can okay. also search for games and skills. And then uh, once you find what you want, you can ask your Alexa device to open that skill. Okay, great. Thanks. Yep. And that's all for now. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. And be sure to join my community call on ACB Media 5, Clubhouse, and Zoom. That's wonderful. Thanks so much, Lucy. There's so many fun games. Oh, yeah. Tons. I like song quiz. And I like the question of the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm up to like 20,000 points. Cool. Very addictive. Yeah. Thanks, Lucy. Yeah. It is now my pleasure to introduce um, Andy Borka 
and um, Jason Fair and Andy Borkin. Um, they are going to talk about flight simulation. And Andy Borka is a gamer and an entrepreneur. And Jason Fair is an accessibility technology specialist. And I think this is fascinating. I want to give um, Vanessa credit because she's on our convention committee for um, bringing this up and for us having this wonderful panel because the fact that you can do flight simulation with keystrokes on JAWS, whatever, is just fascinating, like you're flying a plane. So I can't wait to hear about this. So thank you, gentlemen. Go ahead. Hi there. Um, so I am Jason Fair. Uh, we will try to keep this fairly brief uh, just because we don't have tons of time. Um, but so we, Andy and I have been developing a an add-on that you basically install alongside a mainstream flight simulator. Uh, and there's two different simulators that we support that basically provides speech uh, feedback to a lot of different aircraft systems and gives you a whole ton of hotkeys to manipulate the system. I believe we've got we've got to, we've got to have around a hundred hotkeys now. Uh, yeah. So there's there's a lot of hotkeys. Yeah, it's like 150 now, I think. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Um, so this project started off as I I started this project back, and I'm trying to even think when when it was. It's been four or five years now, I think. Um, no, I guess it was 2019, I think is when we started this. And it started off as kind of my, you know, learn to code slash, you know, eventually keep saying during COVID project. And there's always been, for several years, there's been a blind uh, community of people that were interested in flight simulation. And there's been various ways that we've done this over the years. And I'm not going to go into the sort of the whole history of it, but um, the, we flight simulators have always had a very rich add-on ecosystem. So there's there's lots of different add-ons that you can install into flight simulations to, to do different things with weather and just you name it. There's all sorts of things. And because there's all of these add-ons, or what makes all these add-ons possible is there's a really rich way that you can tie into the simulator and get all kinds of information out. So what we're doing is we are pulling out information that, you know, sighted people get, uh, but we're pulling it out in such a way that you can get at it with speech. And so, you know, the add-on literally started off with, can you get a information about where your aircraft is located? So literally just city and province or city and state. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Canada. Um, Andy's in, uh, in the U S. Um, so, that's where we started and then it, it really just snowballed from there um you know now we have full access into a simulation of the uh, boeing 737 that's produced by a company called pmdg so you can literally you know run the aircraft from startup to shutdown so just, you know start the whole thing up do a flight land shut down all that and then we're all we're adding support for the 47 and triple seven um as well. So that's that's kind of a, a very, very brief history uh, of how the product got started. Um, I would all say is there's all kinds of YouTube videos on this. So there's a lot more than we can cover here. But if you just do a, a Google or a YouTube search for blind flight simulation, you'll find a lot of stuff. So um, 
Andy, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so um, not only can you uh, use hotkeys, but you can also use uh, hardware like flight sticks or yokes. You know, they make hardware that replicates different parts of an airplane. And as you manipulate those controls, uh, talking flight monitor will uh, report back to you as to what those are. Um, I know talking about it is uh, good to do, but there's nothing more, uh, nothing better than seeing an action itself. Uh, do we have a few minutes where we can actually do a screen share? Yeah, um, can, I, yeah can Andy share audio? Will that work? I'm sure that's fine. Um, Jane, Pat, uh, Sandra, do we have time for them to share audio? I think so. I think, um, let's see. I agree. Let's give it a shot. 15 minutes. Let's do it. The product that we're talking about is called Talking Flight Monitor. And you can you can get to, it's talkingflightmonitor.com if you want to see a lot of it, you know, the website um, about it. Um, there's also another website called BVI, as in blind visually impaired, bvipilots.net, which is sort of a blind flight sim enthusiast's website that talks about talking flight now. monitor, but, you know, other other add-ons and things that are available. Um, and like I said, there's lots of different YouTube videos on this uh, on this technology. It's like said, it's been going now for, you know, pretty strongly for a couple of years, I guess. Media controls window. Live transcription. Closed captioning has been enabled. Press F6 for more information about who can see this transcript alert. Alright. So, Lockheed Martin registered. Lockheed Martin registered. Three R3D registered. Q. Participants okay. can now see your Does everybody hear an airplane prope uh, propeller? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Alright. So five knots indicated. Did everybody hear five knots indicated? Yes. Yes. Alright. All right, so some of the basic things we can do is check for heading, speed, altitude, so. Heading, 252. The heading. 1384 feet ASL. For the altitude. Five knots indicated. Now, if we set the airplane up for takeoff. Flaps 25. Oh. Ah. Meeting, meeting controls. Lockheed Martin registered. Lockheed Martin registered. Okay, I wanted to open this one. Z. This Lockheed. is... Heading 252. Not doing what Z. it's supposed to do at the minute. Z. It's the law of the demo, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's the law of the demo. It always breaks. <laughs> it always breaks. But so as you can, altitude. Enter altitude. can set the altitude, zero. then we want to go to... One, zero, zero, zero. Lucky Martin registered. Three, R3D registered. Three, five. We can enter heading. Edit selected 252. Set the heading. heading. Checkbox not checked. Space checked. We can tell it to stay at that. Okay heading. button. Space. Lockheed Martin registered. Three R three D registered. V five. And 
let's okay that is not oh you know what's going on automatic announcements enabled there we go aircraft we are with that's the better park and break off all right break on. now it makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> so heading lock off heading lock active we'll do that Z, autopilot master off. Z, autopilot sure master active. Wind leveler active. Flaps 25. See, TFM automatically Gabriel Lopez Cavani has joined the meeting alert. Everything that's going American on with Council the aircraft as you do things. So let's go for a small little ride. Ooh, it's right. Add it up to. Now you can even see... Um, I just turn on what they call attitude mode, and basically that is 14 knots. The ability to tell how far the nose knots. is pointed up or down, or how far the plane is tilted knots. left to right. 29 knots. Up three. 34 knots. 39 knots. 45 knots. It takes a little bit for this little thing to get up off the ground. 52 knots. Up four, up three, oh. up four, fifty nine knots. Up five, up, 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 American oh, Council of the Flight has left the meeting alert. 1979 feet ASL. 2,000 feet. Nice thing we Cloud 396 feet above. Cloud 706 feet below. Tell where the clouds are. Cloud tracking on. We can have TFM automatically announce the clouds, which I just turned on. Add it up four. That's... So as you can, as you can tell, it's it's um, it's not something you're going to just jump in the cockpit and and do it. It's flight simulation is 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 complex. You you are actually you know, heading two hundred forty eight. And we can automatically announce the clouds. Three autopilot instruments enabled. Direction, 247. Speed, 5 knots. Gust, 1 knots. Visibility, 8.64 nautical miles. Turbulence, none. Shear, gradual. So it's quite, you know, once you get the hang of how this thing works. Heading, 240. Sounds like it's very complicated, but once you get Kelly Lipo has joined the meeting alert 3000 yeah, once you get that unavailable submit new scenario flight and reset load scenario exit prepare Lockheed uh, Martin registered prepare 3D register it gets unavailable submenu like, dialog dialog do you wish to save the current scenario I before exiting go. yes button no button I can you crash uh, if you did it wrong could you absolutely. crash yes yeah yeah jeez <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah you can crash yeah and I mean, this the, the 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 aircraft that Andy was in there. I think is a Mooney Bravo, which is a, just a very small, you know, a very uh, small single engine aircraft. Obviously, when you're when you're operating something like a seven thirty seven, things oh, yeah. get a whole lot more complicated. We don't have time to demo that, but um, 
you know, we have, like I said, we have full access to essentially they, I don't know. Does the PMDG, do they call it study level? Yes, it is. It is right. Yeah, it is. So, it's so, what real pilots will train on. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's very complex and you have to do a lot of reading, but the neat thing is, is this, <clears throat> this uh, is fully accessible if somebody wants to take the time to, you know, to learn it. Yeah. Some of the, you can get freeware aircraft, uh, which isn't as complicated to start off with uh, and then move up into something more complex, like study level aircraft and things like that. Yeah. But it can be addicting sometimes. I have um, a pilot career simulation app that I use. It gives me a schedule. It tracks how many hours I fly with the particular airline. It gives me a paycheck every week. Not a not real, not money. a real check. Not a no, <laughs> not real money. It's all virtual money. <laughs> but uh, that'd be nice, some, though. Yeah, some of the flights they have on there, they have me doing like 16, 17 hour runs. So uh, yeah, it can be pretty addicting. Amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> That's about as fun as driving a car. I mean, it means it feels like as a blind person, we never get to do things like that. And this is a cool thing. You get to see how complicated it really is. All the things you had to check there and make sure you had your parking. Like I wouldn't know off. how far to put the <laughs> flaps up or down or yeah. anything. And that's all that's all yeah, that's all in learning experience or reading guides or manuals and things like that. So the study level 737 that we have support for the original book. And yes, it is a book. It's a series of two books that come with it. Total 2,500 pages long because it was the original uh, flight deck manual that they put on the airplane for the real pilots to use. Yeah, I think it's redacted a little bit. Like I don't, I don't think it's the exact manual, but it's it's uh, it was it was under license from Boeing, so it's it's pretty close to wow. to the to the original manual. And I mean, it's it's um, you know, this has been a, a prod like you know, this project has nothing to do with my day job. I I am a assistive technology specialist, but this is this has been, you know, just you know spare time working on this I, we should say the product is free um the 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 accessibility add-on is free the simulator yeah. is not um but the simulator um depending which way you go that you can pay you know about 80 80 bucks for the simulator give or take and then the aircraft is what is the pmdg these days uh, so a, the 37 to start with uh is like a hundred dollars yeah so it's not horrible um you know, but it, it is a, it is a bit of an outlay. You do need to, you know, um, but like I said, there's lots of, there's a, there's several people that have done pretty in-depth YouTube videos and tutorials um, on how to, on how to do this stuff. Um, so it's, it's, uh, for, if you're interested in it, it's worth a, it's worth a look. Oh, this is fascinating. Very yeah. good. Well, thank you very much for this. Appreciate this. And we have any questions to wrap up two minutes okay we have a few raised hands so vanessa go ahead and unmute um uh for those who probably figured it out andy is miranda's husband and 
I don't know, just somehow randomly I found out about the fact that um, Andy does this. And so I followed on YouTube. It took several days. I wasn't going to do a full stretch. Um, a flight that he did uh, with a commercial airliner from Florida to California. Um, however, there were other simmers, as they are called, who were also flying in the air. And the visually impaired simmers identified themselves in a specific way um, and would also let the traffic air traffic controllers know that they were visually impaired. Uh, mm, because yep. certain, certain things actually require some visual assistance, like backing up from the um, the uh, the uh, the gate. Um, but other than that, Andy flew the plane, y'all, from one end of the country to the other. Yeah. And, and it was just fascinating. If everybody wants to go watch some parts of it or the whole thing or whatever, it's on our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, if you, I think it's youtube.com slash at talking flight monitor. There's no capitalization, no spaces. And it should be up there in the feed. And the next hand we have is Jane Suh. Jane, you may unmute. Okay. Um, where can we, I guess, purchase the um, simulator and then also the the add-on? Well, the add-on is free, so you can go to talkingflightmonitor.com, and there's the download link, and you can get it there. Uh, the simulator itself is done by Lockheed Martin, and so the name of it is Prepar, P-R-E. P-A-R 3-D. So you can do a Google search for that and it'll take you like you type in buy prepar 3D and it'll take you to Lockheed's store for it. Um, we would recommend version four or five. And the other option that you have is Microsoft Flight Simulator. Uh, we don't have as good a support for that. Um, but if you're going to use the 737, we do have support for the 737 in the, the new Microsoft Flight Simulator as well. Wonderful. Well, I'd, I'd like to thank this panel. This has been a lot of fun. We really have appreciated this.